Hello, this is Beyond Talks, which is a podcast that provides insights from real estate professionals, thought leaders, and deal makers in the sector. For our 15th episode, we have the amazing Natasha Collins, who is the founder of NC Real Estate. She's a property investor, chartered surveyor, and also a university lecturer. In this episode, we'll be discussing her introduction to property, her transition from a surveyor to an educator, and her thoughts of the importance of female representation in the property sector. I'm Johnny Ingelli, and I'd love to introduce Natasha Collins. Good afternoon to yourself. Hi, John. I'm very good. Thank you for having me on the podcast. No, thank you. Thank you so much for uh, for, for jumping on and finding the time. I, I appreciate it. We've got a time difference here. You're over there in, in the US and here in the UK and things have been busy for you. So thank you for finding the time there. Um, we, yeah, again, just to give a, a quick uh, breakdown, um, I've actually had an amazing opportunity to speak to so many different property professionals over the last uh, couple of weeks, developers, agents, uh, investors alike, and now someone that's worked on the surveying side. So it's very interesting to see uh, your point of view uh, on on how things are panning out at the moment. But before we uh, get into all of that, it will be good to know, you know, who is Natasha and what does she do? So what is it that you do? So I'm Natasha Collins. I am a chartered surveyor property investor, university lecturer, and my, at the moment, my role is I run NC Real Estate, which is my firm of surveyors. And within my firm of surveyors, I have a members club for landlords and property investors. Now, my background is that I trained as a chartered surveyor and I have been an asset manager and I do the property investment strategy behind property portfolios. That is my bread and butter. That's what I have always done. I got into surveying at 21 after working as a letting agent in my third year of university and landed myself this Mm -hmm. kind of green-eyed 21-year-old landed in London and got thrown in the deep end Mm -hmm. as a property manager in South Kensington and Knightsbridge. Mm -hmm. That was my patch. Mm -hmm. And from there, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. I learned how to manage massive portfolios. Mm-hmm. I was the commercial manager mm-hmm. on the Sloan Stanley estate for a couple of years. I ran NHS portfolios. Mm-hmm. I did uh, lease advisory mm-hmm. on uh, some of the other big portfolios. I would do rent reviews for Cadogan and TFL, and I would also work for smaller property mm-hmm. investors. Mm-hmm. And during my time doing that, mm-hmm. I studied um, a master's at the University College of Estate Management in surveying and eventually went on to take my APC. And during that learning experience, I very quickly Mm -hmm. built up strategies to build property portfolios for large clients and small clients and worked Mm -hmm. on um, what I could do. What what can I do to hit my client's goals? That's always Mm -hmm. where I would start. What do you want to achieve? How do I get you there? And Mm -hmm. The landlord and tenant relationship Mm. was something that was so interesting. In commercial, if you're looking at commercial leases, you can be very Mm. strategic in the way that you negotiate on them and what you put in place so that you can build that to hit goals. So it's not it wasn't ever necessarily about buying more, 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 which I think is something that sometimes when I speak to investors, they get wrong. It's maximizing what you've got. And then thinking, well, I've maximized this. Mm-hmm. What more have I got left to do to hit that client's goals? And that's what I learned. I mean, mm-hmm. it sounds quite simple now that I can reflect back on it and go, oh, okay, that was my background. Mm-hmm. But actually, 
it was very tough to get all of that systemized, organized, manage these property portfolios, manage the tenants and the landlord and tenant relationship, as well as go into negotiation with them. But I learned so much. Mm -hmm. And then come 2016, I thought, mm -hmm. do you know what? I am out in the market and I've, mm -hmm. I've, been, in, I've been investing in property since 2011. And when I very first started investing in property, mm -hmm. I bought a one bedroom flat in near Westbourne Park tube station. So up near, up in Notting Hill, mm -hmm. bought it for 200,000 pounds, mm -hmm. which I don't think you'd ever get something up mm -hmm. there now for that. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at and all, I've I can tell you that. I've been listening to my <laughs> clients who had said, Natasha, you need to invest. And they've been really helping me out. But then I had been going to these mm -hmm. networking events for property investors and mm -hmm. sitting there and thinking, mm -hmm. I don't know what these people are talking about because it was all very underhanded mm -hmm. ideas and me being mm -hmm. heavily regulated as a chartered surveyor and learning how to do things ethically and morally, mm -hmm. I kind of became a bit like, I don't know mm -hmm. what's going on here. So I thought there's a gap in the market mm -hmm. for me to bring my knowledge education and my strategies which have worked incredibly well for other for these large-scale property portfolios and deliver them to smaller scale investors because what happens what happens on a big level is exactly the same as what should happen on a small level and that was where the members club came from mm -hmm. because i wanted landlords and property mm -hmm. investors to have a safe space with me where they could come and ask questions and they mm -hmm. could get tailor-made answers mm -hmm. but without having to pay thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of pounds for something where they're not necessarily getting um uh mm -hmm. adequate advice sometimes and so that that's been that's been my path to where i am right now Amazing. That's a very illustrious path. And that, again, I love that you explain you know, the, the, let's say the, the transition phase for, for each, you know, from lettings, studying the business, then becoming a surveyor, moving up that into the, let's say, asset, ma asset management side of the business, and then deciding to run your own firm while still backing yourself and investing in property. And then, you know, providing, let's say, institutional services down to, you know, the retail um, yeah, investors on the, um, on the ground uh, which is amazing and I, I definitely echo what you say uh with some of these property investment groups i won't name any um but it seems to be very uh yeah to, to use the word that you said um and even sometimes the, the the advice that's being pushed through isn't always the best so again i'm glad that you 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 brought that regulate regulatory element to, to your to, to, to the masses um my question to you when you then decided uh, to provide that level of service, so that's the, the institutional asset management side to um, you know the, the one or two or even ten mm -hmm. portfolio investor uh, on the real estate side of things. And what were the one of the differences and also the potential challenges for trying to teach uh, these investors how you know this is the right way to do it? The way you've done it is good, but this is actually the way to to reach your goals and the best way uh, for your investment. Objectives. It's looking at the long term picture and the overall arching strategy. I don't believe mm -hmm. that you should be buying property, letting it out and just mm -hmm. sitting on it. I believe that you mm -hmm. need to be maximizing what you've got. And I don't believe that you need to be mm -hmm. buying 20, 30, 40, 50 properties if you don't need to. 
because it's far easier mm -hmm. to streamline a handful of properties mm -hmm. than it is to try and maximize on all of these properties that you've bought that are highly leveraged, that aren't really making much money and are a pain to manage. As a mm -hmm. asset manager, my job is to look at a portfolio as a whole, think what is working, what are the opportunities and what is really not working? Where is, where is the issue? What, what is going to cause us long-term to have problems? Now, every property portfolio is different. For example, when I work for the landed estates, they will never dispose of anything. And that's absolutely fine. Whereas when you're looking at um, people who are trying to just make money out of property portfolios, they will sell things. For example, I had one client come to me with uh, a parade of mixed-use buildings. So I had five residential flats for um, commercial units mm -hmm. within two years they wanted the price of that mm -hmm. doubled so we bought it mm -hmm. for them at 4.5 million two years later we sold it for 9 million I didn't add to that portfolio I just restructured mm -hmm. the leases and improved the quality of the residential and that was where the money was mm -hmm. made so I think the real danger is that investors who don't look at their overall arching strategy think I've just got to buy more to keep up appearances because people on social media are buying more and I'm going to these conferences and I'm being told that the only way that I can prove my success is to buy, 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 buy. That's not true. The way that you, you are successful and the way that you, you measure your success is by what are you wanting to achieve from this property portfolio? Have you got there? And have you got there does not depend mm -hmm. on the number of properties or the number of tenants. It depends on have you hit your financial goals and do you now have the time mm -hmm. available to, to mm -hmm. do what you want to do with your life? That's what we're aiming for, right? Of course. <laughs> of course. No, you're completely correct. I, 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 again, so many gems, so many great points that you've, you've you've just said i think you know just again just to echo what you've said and just to, to highlight one um I, I said using a more institutional model where it's more of okay how do we repurpose our portfolio mm -hmm. to achieve the goals that we have so if a house or a home or a flat is like this how can we really um take or get the most yield out of this product um but while still you know providing a good home mm -hmm. for someone or many people to live in so again i think that's that's amazing at least on the the resi the, the resi side the residential side but then i also uh, like the fact um that it's that you take let's say the more of a kyc element uh, with your clients where it's, it's about really going into detail about what they want to do rather than how much they want to buy and then working that way uh, with the portfolio so it, i think the reason why I'm, I'm highlighting this because I've not heard anyone on the, let's say, on the uh, retail side. And what I mean by retail for some of the listeners is uh, for your smaller investor um, speaking like this, um, whilst, like you said, many of the educators mm. are like, buy, 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 buy. And that's why you're seeing a lot of people um, in a very difficult situation mm -hmm. at the moment. But again, we'll go into that in a, a little bit more detail. So um, just to go back to your, your, your story then, Natasha. So, uh, you know, you, you set up your firm, but then you, yep. like you said, you're a university lecturer. How did that come about? So I teach at the University College of Estate Management and I run the property management modules for mm -hmm. the undergraduate program and the postgraduate program. And that purely mm -hmm. came about because... 
I had always said to my university, if the property management mod module comes up and you need a lecturer for it, I will do the lecturing on it. Mm -hmm. And then I, every, then I forgot about it mm -hmm. for years and years and years. And then I saw the job opportunity come up. Mm -hmm. And so I emailed the head of the school at University College of Estate Management, who was a fabulous lady. Unfortunately, she no longer works there, but it was a fabulous lady. And I thought, I don't know if I'm qualified to do this, but I am going to give it um, a good shot because I enjoy teaching property management. And, for example, other people, other uh other pra practices and firms of surveyor in surveyors in London were sending their APC candidates to me to ask me to help them with their property management modules for the APC. So I thought if I could do it there, I can do it at university level. And I simply applied and they had me in for an interview and I just got super passionate about property management and asset management because I firmly believe it's the backbone of property mm -hmm. investment. If you can manage your assets well, mm -hmm. you will earn the money that you are, you deserve to earn. It's as simple as that. And I can do that for my clients. Mm -hmm. And I want to help mm -hmm. my students do that for my clients mm -hmm. or their clients. And so I just took that mm -hmm. passion to the university. I've ne I'd never taught before. Never taught before. But I was like, I can do it. I love mm -hmm. property management. And they looked at me and they mm -hmm. eyes wide open. Are you? You love property management. I was like, yes, because look at what you can achieve. <laughs> I don't believe that property management is simply sitting in an office answering phone phones to tenants. It's not that. You can do, leave that to your facility manage, mm -hmm. manager. You've got contractors on the ground. There's a load of property systems mm -hmm. out there that will mm -hmm. do that connection for you. Obviously, mm -hmm. you have to oversee it, but that shouldn't be mm -hmm. what you do day in, day out. That should not be your whole day's worth of work. Your day's worth of work is actually mm -hmm. putting in place strategies and fulfilling those strategies and getting into the kind of the nitty gritty of things, the things that people don't really like looking at. For example, your rent mm -hmm. reviews. Rent reviews are impo as important for residential as they are commercial mm -hmm. because that maximizes the value of your property. Mm -hmm. So th that was what I was really passionate about. I'm passionate about the strategy. I'm passionate about how we get from A to B. And that was how I became a university lecturer. And they were mm -hmm. like, okay, well, she seems to love it enough. Here's the modules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is always a good thing. <laughs> I, I remember when I was a student and I would, uh, there was uh, one of, the, uh, one of the, the modules that I would go into and the, the lecturer wasn't as, as, as um, enthusiastic as the course. <laughs> so that rubbed off to the, to the students. So it's really, really great to hear your passion uh, for, for property management. And um, also, you know, that gets translated to those who you teach. But also, I, I, I'll, I'll be quite frank with you. I didn't even see property um, management because, again, I've worked predominantly on the residential side of my entire career, and that it really it's really about looking at at, at, at how do we maximise um, this um, this portfolio or these uh, this these amount of, this portfolio of properties rather than yeah. okay, there's an issue with the the pipes, send out the handyman, uh, which is always <laughs> the viewpoint. So again, you've changed my viewpoint, and I think a few of the listeners as well, which is which is great, and. Um, 
one of the things that we spoke about off air, because, you know, like you said, you were previously uh, a surveyor and um, the firm that I used to work for, which was Countrywide, you came across them through, um, you know, through your, uh, your previous uh, employer. Um, but you said it was through, that say, the initiative for uh, women in surveying. And one thing that I've definitely seen uh, in the industry, it's improved. But when I first came into the industry, probably five, six years ago, representation wasn't uh, the best or if it was you know if you were in the business you knew who was doing very well and there were a lot of women whether it be on the agency side development side um, but also on the surveyor side that were doing amazing things within the business um, do you feel you know representation has improved within the industry and if so uh, where do you think that, that they could improve more uh, very similar to our counterparts in the US and Australia who I think have better representation mm-hmm. uh, on, in the field so I'd love to hear your thoughts it's not a well-known industry I don't I don't think for women um I definitely Mm -hmm. knew that when I was first in the world of surveying especially in London it was very male dominated and even when Mm -hmm. I go out to do rent reviews or Mm -hmm. lease renewals and you go head to head with another surveyor Mm -hmm. I don't think I think Mm -hmm. maybe I once or twice came across another female I would it, you wouldn't normally come across mm-hmm. other female surveyors and that then means that you don't really have mm-hmm. role models in the industry to look up to right how would you know and that's definitely changing now it's mm-hmm. definitely changing with the students that I'm seeing through coming through our degree programs and there's definitely a lot more uh, females and mm-hmm. one of the big things that may mm-hmm. stop a woman from necessarily wanting to progress further is that you can come across some very difficult men in the industry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just being really honest. Mm-hmm. And it's just different ways of negotiating. <laughs> I've always, mm-hmm. um, I've always believed in the fact mm-hmm. that I don't need to come up against anybody and be aggressive about it. You, the, the first thing that I do is never going to be the aggressive mm-hmm. side of things where I've, I've had, um, a lot of other surveyors come to me when they're negotiating and being incredibly aggressive about it. I d- you just don't need to. And I think you have to have mm-hmm. the confidence to just stand your mm-hmm. ground in certain certain things. You know, you can try the the bullying attitude, you can p- try the aggressive attitude, but I, you know, you just got to not let it wash, and you've got to have confidence that mm-hmm. you are of equal standing of the other person. But everybody comes at things differently, and that can be quite intimidating. I knew that that could be quite intimidating. And when we very first came, in, when I very first came into the industry, um, there's a lot of undercurrent of sexual harassment and that side of things, unfortunately. Which I, I must admit, I didn't see see as much of it. It was it was kind of there, but that would make people move out of the industry because they just didn't want to deal with it at all, right? So things have changed. I've been in the industry now 11 years. Mm -hmm. Things have changed. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. because I'm quite confident in myself that I would stand up for things Mm -hmm. and not accept rubbish. I don't accept rubbish. Mm -hmm. But Mm -hmm. there's far more, Mm -hmm. um, there's far more role models in this industry that we can look up to, right? There's incredible women doing incredible things. Agreed. And that's across all levels. And I firmly believe that this industry is a great industry because you can do anything. You can be anybody you want to. There are so many opportunities. 
and it's getting over that stigma and it's now showing that look how innovative we can be as an industry and if we keep that mindset everybody's invited along for the ride of course i completely agree to the words out, out of my mouth you know that you know, we are such again it's an amazing industry you know you can meet so many people so many opportunities present themselves and i feel like if we do continue down the route of uh, you know, diversity with women and even different groups as well you know it, it only continues to add um to add value to, to the industry as a whole so again i'm excited but i always like to 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 um to, to, to pin that to, to bring up that point uh because it was a it was a woman that gave me my first um start in uh, property. It was uh, Hannah McLean, uh, who's now left uh, the real estate um, industry. She was absolutely amazing. She trained me. She helped me get my first job. You know, she effectively coached me <laughs> uh, in um, in the background. She was head of training at the time. So, uh, yeah, again, I, I completely agree. It's definitely improved, um, but there's still a way to go as well. Um, and as someone, as you said, as someone who's been in the industry for 11 years, that's a long time, you know, a lot of people come and go in the industry. So props to you for staying that long. And I hope I can do the same is um, what changes have you seen in, in the market then, Sasha, you know, from a you know, client demographics point of view, from an investments point of view, uh, you know, since um, being in the definitely industry, what changes have you seen? the onset of shorter leases more flexible leases for commercial units. We've now got mm -hmm. um, pop-up shops. Have, have you come mm -hmm. across a peer here? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, they've they've yeah. got a few in Notting Hill. They used to have one in a in Knightsbridge, but I think yeah. they either let it out to a you know foreign exchange so company or sold. Lesson, I don't know. They have yes, seriously, and they're in America as well now. They mm -hmm. yeah, that they've really revolutionised the short term. Oh, wow the short-term rentals mm. and commercial. And I think we're going to see that as more commercial units come and they try the market mm -hmm. and they get that flexibility. And I've certainly seen that. Mm -hmm. um, I have mm -hmm. seen that, you know, we get three to five year leases. That's normally, um, normally something that mm -hmm. um, we see. Whereas when I first came into the industry, I'd be negotiating on 10 year leases, maybe even 15 year leases. And that's now not something that we see as much. Mm -hmm. Um, more demand from tenants for good quality stock. Mm. And I think that is necessary. You have to be providing good quality accommodation. And that mm -hmm. is why you'll see a lot of landlords leaving the market because they just mm -hmm. cannot afford to put in place that good quality accommodation. So they might as well sell it and let someone else mm -hmm. do it. That's an opportunity. Um, that's definitely changed. Mm -hmm. I've mm -hmm. seen a lot more innovation in the way that people do things, which I'm really pleased about, a lot more technology, a lot, um, looking at different ways in which we can operate and we provide our services. Gone are the days with just agency firms that work nine to five and everything's done by email. There's a lot more of that personal getting to know people and people being more open I, I just remember when I first started doing rent reviews and lease renewals or, or it could be me his, his thing it could be me. I was a young surveyor who would phone up other surveyors to try and get comparables and no one would talk to me everybody was keeping their cards close to their chest but nowadays it's far easier to phone someone up and have a conversation and ask them and they'll give you um their real life kind of here's what's happening in the market from my point of view 
this, this, and this. And I think that is great. If we are a more communicative industry, fantastic. Because playing our cards close to our mm -hmm. chest doesn't help anybody. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of my investors, what have I seen? Um, I mm -hmm. am very fortunate that my clients are some of the most incredible investors. They care so much. They're empathetic whilst really staying true to their goals and their dreams. And that for me is really mm -hmm. impressive. I mm -hmm. remember, I don't know if you remember years mm -hmm. ago, did you ever, when you were operating in West London, I know you still do, mm -hmm. but do you remember when landlords were just getting mm -hmm. uh, arrested mm -hmm. and jail sentences for putting up HMOs and then putting plasterboard divides mm -hmm. in the rooms? Do you remember that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. No, that was that was a massive yeah, problem, especially in like Hammersmith, Fulham, and Kensington. Much, no, thank you're right. Goodness, you're correct, yeah. that's definitely changed. So I think the sentiment mm -hmm. has moved away from just mm -hmm. you know buying up whatever property, bodging it up, and letting it out. That's certainly tenants aren't stomaching that, and landlords actually mm -hmm. seem to be embarrassed about providing that sort of accommodation. And we're mm -hmm. moving to good quality accommodation bright rooms, big rooms, um, good-sized commercial mm -hmm. units as well. You know, 500 square foot is a great retail unit. And mm -hmm. that is what I like to see on the market, people mm -hmm. caring. And when you care, you get good tenants. And when you get good tenants, mm -hmm. they pay you the rent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very true. It's very true. If you take pride in, in the overall asset, you know, the person will never want to leave. I completely agree. And especially with the renter demographic at the moment and what they uh, seek from a property um and you know the 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 up the upsurge in in um you know uh, prs etc uh, or you know uh, purpose built uh, units for renting you know if landlords do not get their <laughs> their their um their ideas together in regards to getting their product to a good standard they will most definitely lose yeah. out and regulation as well as most definitely help that um and i know we're a bit um tight on time but i do want to ask this question i, I thought about it for a second but i said nah i'm gonna ask someone ask natasha this question is about the, the the change in social media so i found you on social media again you have a great following great content and i think it's really really important uh, to talk about this because our industry is very late to the party uh, with social media in in many different parts of the market segment and uh, why did you decide to, to really utilize oh, social you. media and again, um, provide such i have to admit i've been well. working on this for years social media social media really started to be something that i focused on mm -hmm back in 2016 and I got it wrong for quite some time but it was just trial and error and mm. um, I had to move on to social media mm. for my marketing because mm. I became location independent I'm not necessarily in one country so being on social media gets me that visibility mm -hmm. that, that's what it was all about if I wanted to run a business and I wanted to find mm -hmm. people who would want my services and that I was a match with I would have to put out content content that was resonated with me and how I operated and then other people could use that 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 was really what it was all about and it seriously mm -hmm. has been trial and error I didn't just get up one morning and know how to do social media but it really has been okay, I have, I will put out this information. And, and there was times where I would get seriously um, 
disillusioned with it. I'd, I'd look at it and go, I'm not having any traction with this. There's no engagement. Mm-hmm. And get really down on myself about it. And then I was like, no, do you know what? We're just going to put out stuff that's meaningful for me, which resonates with me and my brand. And once I started doing that and I stopped caring about how many likes mm-hmm. I had on my pictures, how much engagement I had, I started to realize mm-hmm. that people were looking whether they interacted with it mm-hmm. or not. And since I've started yes, just building on that and building on that and building on that, and I, I, don't, I don't hide behind the fact that I do mm-hmm. have someone who helps me run my social media because I can't always be there because my main, my mm-hmm. main focus is working with my clients. I would walk to the end of the earth to make sure that my clients got what they needed. Yes. I've always believed in that. So that is, that is my first priority. My second priority is obviously marketing, but I have to be the best surveyor that I can be. Mm-hmm. And I'm a surveyor. I'm not a marketer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So I just had to build on it. It didn't happen overnight. <laughs> and we still build on it and we still have goals for social media. Yes. But the other thing is, is that I'm not looking to make money out of my social yep. media insofar as advertising or that kind of stuff. That's never been what it's about. That is purely just showcasing my business. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Completely agree. Again, you know, it's uh, uh, one is the fact that you consistently have been put out content, uh, but you make a great point that even though, um, you know, people are engaged, people are always watching. And one thing I've learned in this short period of time since I've really been active on social media, which has been in the last eight, 10 weeks since we've been in quarantine, is yes, people aren't they might not engage but you know you might get a message after a month mm-hmm. two or maybe even a year later saying oh i see what you're doing this is interesting let's talk so uh, <laughs> so that's amazing and a shift in um uh, in in uh, conversation and questions as well is um to where we are now which is which is covid um again a terrible uh, time from a health perspective you know our country and even the global economy was put on hold for you know, close to two months now and in the uk at least in england i know wales and scotland's a bit different we are slowly opening our doors and uh, the property sector has been able to open up to a certain extent um from a say asset management perspective a property manager perspective surveyor perspective as well how's the market been functioning um on, on your side with your clients you know is there still uh activity in regards to uh, you know landlords uh, investors still active in the market or so are they consolidating the conversation you know, has really changed with my clients but it started off with let's get honest about what's mm-hmm. happening right now it's rubbish Right. But there's two different types of people, people who are experiencing COVID directly and really seeing the fallout from it. And, you know, being ill and losing loved ones. My gosh. Right. That's awful. So we had that to deal with. You know, if that is you, that is what you focus on. You don't focus on your investing right now that you do that for other clients. If you're not directly impacted by this, what are we expecting to happen? And so we just double down on, you know, are your tenants paying rent? Have they got the help that they need? Where are your vacant properties and what are the opportunities right now? And so the very first thing that we covered with tenants and I I spoke to my clients about is get, make sure that your 
tenants are informed enough to be able to get the help and support that they need financially from the government or their employer. And if you help them with that, they then pay the rent. So that means that you don't lose out. And that was the same with commercial and residential tenants. And then I was saying to them, well, if your tenants are struggling, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what discounts can you afford to give right now that you don't expect to get back? Mm -hmm. And so we went through that. So the first, mm -hmm. so, so we mitigated mm -hmm. our rental income and we, mm -hmm. we kind of mitigated against the worst case scenario just by talking to our tenants. Mm -hmm. Then with vacant property, what can we do to get those let? Well, yes. there was gaps in the market where there was people who mm -hmm. seriously needed properties. And so, for example, even in my own portfolio, mm -hmm. um, I let one of my flats out to nurses, another flat I let out to students who couldn't get back to China for the mm -hmm. term. And they'll, they'll be leaving in July. But mm -hmm. those two were my empty flats and they were full, full mm -hmm. by March. And so I did the same with my clients. How do we, uh, how do we give our vacant supply to people who need it and still get money? And then... Mm -hmm. Once we did that, it was then about, mm -hmm. okay, so who's buying still? Should you be buying this? Does it work? Worst case scenario, if you don't get it out for the next mm -hmm. six months, can you afford it? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, mm -hmm. let's go forward with it. Is your lender still going to lend? Great. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. And so we just broke it down into smaller steps mm -hmm. because you could still invest. People were still working. People still wanted jobs. Mm -hmm. And that was where we started from. Now, I am mm -hmm. so pleased to say that actually I didn't have any client have a vacant property because of COVID. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but, it, but because we didn't panic Amazing. and every single evening during <laughs> the first six weeks of the pandemic, mm -hmm. I had an hour open session where my clients could jump on a call with, uh, jump on a zoom meeting with me. I'd be there and they could just talk through mm -hmm. all their problems. And we just talked about it. And we, we, I allowed them to voice their concerns because that was important mm -hmm. that then we were going to solve them. Going forward, do I see any opportunities? Well, lending is so cheap right now. So that's a huge opportunity. If you can get cheap lending, fantastic. It means you mm -hmm. can afford to buy another property. Do I think the market is going to drop mm -hmm. severely? No, I don't. Because if you've got cheap lending, people can afford to buy more. Mm -hmm. So... It's then for you to do your deal analysis and work out what would you want to buy this property for and what doesn't work for you and to walk away if you can't get it at the price you want it for. But that's always been the same regardless of whether we're in COVID or not. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, again, an amazing point. And again, in that just answering that question you've 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 definitely drops a lot of gems I, I i say that all the time when i when i hear such great information is one the the asset management institutional like mindset which is okay before we even look at um you know uh, acquiring new assets let's look at our current assets let's do some let's, let's do a little bit of wealth preservation here let's see what what's working what's not working or what what what's <laughs> you know what what arrows are uh, potentially over the the hill how do we protect ourselves and again having those 
tough, difficult conversations with your clients and helping them best in that way. And then from there, okay, now we can move forward and look at what the potential opportunities are. And the reason I highlight that is, again, the, you know, to bring to your first point in the traditional uh, property space, everyone's always talking about buy, buy, buy. But like you said, it's about, okay, where are we? What can we do with what we have? And then we'll look at opportunities from there. So I just think, I just think that's, uh, it's, uh, it's such a heart moment there. So I'm so, I'm so glad you brought that up. And again, just because we are rushed for times and listeners, we will definitely do a, a, a part two uh, with Natasha because again, so much great content there is, um, you know, whilst, you know, buyers, investors, vendors, landlords uh, from the commercial and resi side, because you know, again, you do represent both sides of the spectrum, yeah. are really trying to find their new norm, um, find their feet effectively in this marketplace um what what are your final thoughts on on again the, the impact it potentially will have in the short to long term but also what are you excited about for your clients and you know, so prospective clients serious this. The, and look, i would love to have a crystal ball and tell you what's going to happen going forward i can't do that but mm. here's, what, here's what i'm seeing number one i think mm. that the office market is going to change <laughs> drastically okay offices are going to mm. need to have a space where their their mm -hmm. employees can come and meet and this is this is for offices specifically i know there are key workers out there who can't mm -hmm. work from home that's absolutely fine but i think we'll see two different types in the market the people who, mm -hmm. who can't work from home and mm -hmm. have to go and run mm -hmm. um, all of the the service-based industry mm -hmm. and then there'll be the people who can now work from home mm -hmm. and have that um that balance, that work from home and go into the office. Offices mm. will therefore have to change. They will not need as much space. They will instead need hub type mm. areas where uh, yes. employees can come, mm. book space, meet with each other, have a coffee, sit down, yes. have lunch, that kind of thing. Which means that for that market of people, they are going to now need homes that are live mm. workplace. And that will be the change that I think we will see. I also think yes. we'll see retailers getting innovative with why people need to come into their stores, but that's a different market. I think everybody's going to change for the fact that we mm -hmm. are going to operate more of our lives mm -hmm. at home. So you will start seeing people needing more office space, for example, or more outside space. Mm -hmm. And that I think is exciting mm -hmm. because we can redesign our mm -hmm. properties. And mm -hmm. I think that is an opportunity mm -hmm. and we need to be looking at that. If we are buying a one bedroom apartment, for example, mm -hmm. as an investment, what is your demographic? Because somebody who is now used to working mm -hmm. in an office but now works from home most of the time, mm -hmm. are they gonna want that one bed flat? Maybe, maybe not. So would you prefer to start buying something that's a two bed with yes. a balcony so they can have that outside space and maybe there's an outside gym in the building? You know, so we, we're going to start being more innovative. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because that also moves towards a sustainable built environment. <laughs> so for me, this is really, really exciting. It's got my attention because I'm now thinking well, what can I do to these properties to make them that live work play space? Or am I attracting somebody who actually does need to go to work, in which case they might need a smaller place? Mm -hmm. You know, we need to be thinking about the tenants that we're serving. Who is our ideal target mm -hmm. for this property? And we're going to have to adapt our properties for that. 
that's how it, I think we're going to have to change. We're going to have to be far more innovative and we're going to have to look at the end. The, what is the end product? What, who are we trying to cater for and make sure that we design to them? Now, that's a positive way to end the podcast. Natasha, thank you so much for your time today and such an insightful conversation. I hope you enjoyed your time with us and I'm sure we'll be speaking with you again in the near future. Now, that's it for this episode of Bayon Talks podcast. If you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe via your usual podcast provider and share with a friend. In the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode and we'll see you again next time.